Just a note before we start. This podcast is designed to be listened to in order. So if you haven't caught up yet, head back to episode one, What is the Share Market? to start your investment journey. A listener production. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this year's ComSec Invest graduation ceremony. I'd like to invite to the stage your host for the evening, Jamila Rizvi. We've come a long way, haven't we? It's hard to believe that so many of you... Hold on. Sound guy? That's a bit... Chloe? Testing, one, two, one, two, three. Okay, awesome, thanks. I can't believe that so many of you started out with little to no knowledge of the share market. Look at you now, dressed in your graduation cap and gown, ready to take on the world of investing. I know you're excited to walk across the stage and shake Tom Petrovsky's hand, but before you do, let's take a moment to reflect, to remember how far we've come. It all started with building that solid foundation and learning how the share market actually operates. I've got a lemonade stand. I've had to buy the oranges, the glasses, the juicer. The value of all of those inputs in the future can change the understanding of what is valuable today. One of my personal favourite moments was learning about the mind and how we take steps to hone an investor's mindset. When we're acting impulsively, it's when the emotion overrides that part of your brain. Don't get onto a trendy stock because you read something on Reddit, for example, or any other social media outlet. And of course, the last thing we had to do before sending you on your way was to give you the rundown on exactly what you can buy on the share market. You've got the financial sector, that includes some of the banks, you've got real estate, You've got technology, you've got materials, which includes our big mining stocks. We have learned a lot, and I suspect some of you were busting to get moving, so may have even bought your first share after that last lesson. But um, the thing is, I had a chat with all the professors this morning, and they all agree that there's one more thing to cover off before you walk out those doors for the last time. I realise that perhaps I should have mentioned this before assembling you all here in the graduation hall. Sorry, but this topic is too important not to cover because it's not just about having a share. It's what you do with it afterwards that counts. I'm Jamila Rizvi, a podcaster, author and someone who isn't going to get her graduation hall hiring deposit back. I'm also someone in possession of big emotions. I'm excited for you to fly the nest and venture into the world of investing on your own. After all, That's what I was here to make happen. But I'd be lying if I didn't admit to some sadness that it's almost all over. And I say almost because on today's episode, we are covering what happens after you buy a share. The answer to that question will depend on what your investment plan is. And on this podcast, it's no secret that we are fans of the long-term approach. As a general rule, having a long-term investment plan means buying and holding an investment for an extended period. I suppose the important point is that there is no set definition about a long-term investment plan. It depends on your age, and they suggest at least three years. With that in mind, during this episode, we'll assume that you're planning to hold on to your shares for at least a little while after you've bought them. But that doesn't mean you can relax and put your feet up just yet. There are a few things you need to keep across. 
tax tax estimates tax tax bill taxation i'm sorry to burst your bubble but just like you pay tax on income earned from your salary you do have to pay tax on income earned from your investments it's perhaps not the most exciting news i will share with you today but it is important luckily we've got a guy to walk us through this my name's peter bardas i'm a tax director at hlb manjard all right peter Let's address the burning question on everyone's lips. How much tax do we have to pay on income earned from share market investments? As a tax advisor, one of the questions I get asked a lot is, how much tax do I have to pay? And of course, like anything, the answer generally is it depends. Everyone just adds up how much income they made during the year and then a rate gets applied to that. Here in Australia, our income tax system is reasonably straightforward. How much you pay in tax depends on how much you earn. And as you start to earn more, you'll pay more tax. When it comes to investing, any return on investments is combined with your other forms of income to determine your overall tax rate. There are a few different ways of generating income from investing. Dividends is a return on a share investment. Something else when you sell the share You then have to compare that to how much did you buy the share for, have you made a profit, and that gets included in your return. So add up the income you made and apply the rate of tax. I will say there is one complexity. It's possible if you hold the shares for more than 12 months to halve the amount that you actually include in your income on the profit from that sale, what we call capital gains. Tax rules differ depending on which country you're investing in. But for the most part, if you're investing overseas, the tax will be sorted for you. It's back home in Australia where you need to make sure you're declaring your investment income correctly to the government. Now, apart from tax obligations, your responsibilities as a shareholder are minimal. There's just one more thing you need to think about now that you've got skin, well, shares, in the game. You mean like... Insider trading? You're admitting to inside trading? That's insider trading. Obviously, one of the big responsibilities of us as investors that the Australian government are very concerned about is that you're trading on information that's available to the entire market. So no insider trading that I've got details that maybe the market doesn't know. So I'm then going and buying and selling that company. Insider trading doesn't have to involve piles of money or be quite as dramatic as in the movies it can sometimes look more mundane. Kind of like this. Meet Sarah. Hello. She's a mate of yours who works at a juice store that you've invested in. And Sarah just heard that the company is losing money hand over fist because of staff giving away too many goji sunrise shakes for free. According to Sarah, the company is going to make an announcement this afternoon detailing the trouble they're in. That announcement will likely cause the share price to drop as investors get nervous and move their money elsewhere. So, armed with this information and that free shake that Sarah gave you, no wonder they're going out of business, you decide to sell your shares now while the price is still reasonable. And there it is, right there. You've just traded based on insider information that wasn't available to the rest of the investor public. That's insider trading, and the consequences of your actions could be significant. Uh, It's quite a big deal. If you're providing insider information that general public is not privy to, people could lose their life savings on on that sort of information. Therefore, the regulators regard that very, very seriously. Yes, you could go to jail. You could be significantly fined. You could be disbarred from acting in the share market. There's a whole range of penalties which apply. So 
it is regarded very seriously by the regulators. You are still allowed to invest in companies if you or someone you know works there. The key is that you don't have some kind of unfair advantage. That is, you're not making investing decisions based on information that isn't available to all investors. Just remember to pay your taxes and invest honestly, please. Then you'll have covered off your core shareholder responsibilities. Let's flip the script now and consider the responsibilities that a company has to you as its investor. Profit reporting season. Oh, fiduciary duties. Alphabet shareholders have voted down. Twitter annual meetings. It's a lengthy list and for good reason. And what's at the very top? So the responsibilities companies have to their shareholders and especially directors of those companies is to ensure that they have the best interests of shareholders at heart. So as a shareholder, I'm an owner of that company and that company needs to do its best to try and improve profits and reduce losses into the future. And every single company, whether it's a domestic company, an international company, has that responsibility at all times, is acting in the best interests of their shareholders. I don't know about you, but if one of the main responsibilities of a company that I'm invested in is to increase its profits, I think I'm okay with that. But of course, that's not all a company needs to do for you. Keeping investors up to date with investor communications and then holding the mandatory events. So, you know, the AGM is a mandatory event. And so, you know, holding and running that. Annual general meetings are held by a company annually. That's once a year. To communicate important information to its shareholders. But they're rarely as drama fueled as what you'll see on telly. Before we start this extraordinary general meeting... The shareholder vote is going to be close. You have to meet with the shareholders. The votes were already counted when you kidnapped the board. Annual general meetings, or company AGMs, usually sound a bit more like this. Welcome, everybody, to this year's AGM. Now, let's just wait for a few more people to join the call. So, while we're waiting, how was everyone's weekend? But even though they may not be blockbuster viewing, they can be really interesting and are important if you want to stay engaged with your investment. Attending annual general meetings or AGMs can be quite useful because Aussie companies, they're required to meet with their investors annually. And this mostly happens later in the year here in Australia. So it is an opportunity for investors to ask lots of questions, to hear others asking questions of the leadership team as well. They can be challenged. These days, you don't need to attend an AGM in person, unless you really like cucumber sandwiches that can be on offer sometimes. But there are webcasts, which make it very easy to tune in for a while. You know, learn a thing or two, find out what the company is doing and how it's tracking, and then you can leave. Now, I want you to get out your diary. Yes, I know you don't own an actual diary with a little locket on it. Just open your phone calendar, please. Got it? Good. Because there are some annual benchmarks I want you to note down two really key times of the year here in Australia, February and August. And this is when most companies release their results. And you can find out a lot about a company in that time. So for example, if you've invested in a a retailer and they'll tell you at this time how much stuff they've sold over six or 12 months, are they selling more or less? Why? Are they still profitable? Maybe their sales are up, but profits are down. Is this because of higher costs, which have become a bit of a problem? You know, how they're holding up against competitors? Are there structural changes? Will they pay investors a dividend? These are just some of the answers that you can get during profit reporting season. As a shareholder, you'll want to keep across this information. 
especially if it involves changes to something like your dividends, like Steve mentioned. Remember that dividends are usually paid out once or twice a year alongside that company's results. If you're owed a dividend, then there's a few things you need to do to make sure you get paid. You'll need to have a bank account that you've lodged with the registry, so a registered company like Computershare, to facilitate the payment of that uh, dividend digitally. If we don't have a bank account, we'll sort of hold that for you and you can always come and claim that, give us your bank account, and then we'll pay that out. And the other example is if we've tried to pay it out to an old bank account that you might have closed, and so that dividend payment may have failed and we'll sit on that as well. And then we'll sort of have that for a period of time. This is all governed by uh, legislation and regulation in different states before we then pass that across to a state revenue office. So in Victoria here, it's the the State Revenue Office, and so we'll pay that money across to them. You've got a few options when it comes to your dividend. You can pocket the money, and yes, you will need to pay tax on it, or you can make the most of modern technology and set up an automatic dividend reinvestment plan. In terms of the reinvestment of dividends, you basically advise Comsec or your broker, the share registry, that you want to reinvest dividends. Now, not all companies provide that facility, but if they do, you've got to indicate to them that you don't want that dividend taken as cash. You want to basically put that back in and buy more of the shares that you already own. Automation doesn't just come in handy with dividends. There's a lot of ways you can use technology to your advantage. Let's say you plan to leverage dollar cost averaging. You'll remember we covered this earlier in the series. It means making regular, smaller investments to average out short-term price fluctuations. If you take a lot of the guesswork out and you say, well, look, $500 I'm going to invest each and every month into an exchange-traded fund which tracks the the broader share market, you're not having to, to go in there and research individual companies. You're not having to make that decision yesterday constantly. It's set up as an automatic payment. Not only does automating your investments make the process a bit easier, but it also means you don't have to check your share portfolio as much. Not checking your portfolio? Yes, I know. This podcast is supposed to be about staying informed and on top of your investments. But while keeping across your portfolio is great, you can overdo it. If you bought a property... You wouldn't get an agent rocking up at your place 15 times a day giving you a price guide saying, hey, buddy, this is what your property is worth today. I think if you did, you'd tell them to rack off or you'd probably call the police. And it really isn't too different with stocks. I mean, if you have a long-term outlook, if you're thinking 10, 15 years down the track, you're not going to be checking your portfolio 15 times a day because you're way more likely to get emotional. You're way more likely to make a rash or bad decision You know, say the share price might have fallen for two straight weeks. You might be getting worried, even though the share price could rebound just around the corner. We unpacked the psychology of investing in episode four. So if you want a refresher, go listen again. But when it comes to your portfolio, checking in at every minute of every day won't do you much good and could mess with your mental wellness. Unless you're actively considering selling that share sometime soon, you simply don't need to be checking in on it all the time. Of course, there will likely come a time when selling your share is the right thing to do. But when that does come, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and not rushing into the decision because your share has dropped or gained a bit of value since you checked it this morning. Generally, there's going to be a number of different reasons I have to sell. One of the things I actually just might need the cash and I need to use it for something else. It could be a property. I want to go and buy a property, so I want to sell those shares to get access to that property. But 
let's assume that's not the case and someone's just selling to ensure that they're maximising their return in that company. So you need to now start thinking about what do you think the future projections are of that company? If they had a really good run-up in share price, I actually want to sell those shares because I don't think their profits are going to perform as well in the future. On the flip side, if a company's fallen significantly in value, I might still want to sell those shares because it could be that that company's on the way to bankruptcy and I still want to be able to retain some of the money that I put into the company itself. So there's a whole range of different reasons, but generally I'm looking at the forward projections of that company and my opinion of it as to why I'd be selling that share. This is going to sound like a a weird analogy, but when you're in a relationship with someone, there are probably a number of reasons you like them. You know, you set expectations on that relationship. If that person suddenly changes their belief system significantly, you know, they might start treating people around them poorly, you don't vibe anymore, you might reconsider that relationship. And I guess it's not that different with shares. Companies can change. The story that led you to invest in them might change. Leaders can come and go. And that's when you might think, okay, maybe I should rethink this one. Long-term investing is a lot like other relationships in your life. While occasionally you might need to cut off a certain relationship that isn't working, most of us strive to have lots of positive, strong relationships that will benefit us in the years to come. A portfolio of relationships, you might say. And in the case of most relationships, be they with friends or former colleagues or neighbours, you don't check in with those people every minute of every day to evaluate whether you want to keep them in your life. Instead, you keep tabs on the relationship over the long term and might even forgive occasional shortcomings. Okay, I promise that's the second to last analogy for the series. But wait, if I only get one more analogy, I think that means it's almost time to wrap the podcast. Hey, Jamila, aren't we forgetting something? Oh, yes, that's right. You still need to graduate. Okay, well, come up onto the stage, careful not to trip there, and give Tom a big old handshake. And while you're making your way up here, let me leave you with some parting words of wisdom from our wonderful series guests. You can't look at the daily fluctuations of the share market. You can't invest with fear or emotion. Let it sit there. Turn your attention away from it. So being aware of what impulsivity, what excitement feels like for you. Hang on, I'm having this feeling again. That feeling is me getting impulsive and maybe on the verge of doing something a little bit that I might regret. I think it is a case of being decisive, being impassioned, thinking about whether you want to hold these shares for a number of years or for decades. Most of us don't think about retirement when we're in our 20s, for example, but over time, uh, you generate a decent wealth effect and by the time you reach retirement age, you can draw on on that income. I wish I'd started investing earlier, definitely, because at the time, my income was way more disposable than it is today. (laughs) I probably would have told my younger self to watch some YouTube videos, listen to some podcasts and immerse myself into the world a little bit more rather than relying on one source, that being my partner at the time. I think the major mistake I see is people not seeking out information. They can be a little bit overwhelmed, new investors, and sometimes people will just head in the sand and go, oh, my friend George is investing in this stock. He seems all right. I will invest in this too. That is generally a danger when it's a hot tip. So it's almost important to go to sit back and understand whether you should be in it. Well, Do your research. Do your research. Check out 
the ASX. Check out your stockbroker and check Google for the information about the CEOs. Listen to as many podcasts as you can, read as many books as you can. Looking at what the companies are announcing, is it relevant to the share price? They might come out and you go, oh, okay, that's relevant, but then the share price doesn't move that day and you go, oh, hang on, okay, maybe it wasn't relevant. And then you've learnt from that. You invest into companies because you believe in a story they're putting out to the marketplace. And I guess if you just sort of buy and stick the shares in the bottom drawer, you're probably going to miss out on some pretty exciting things. Investing is a bit like going to the gym. You might just lift the bar with no weight first. Once you're comfortable with your technique, maybe add some weight to the bar. You really don't want to have ego with this process. It doesn't matter how much you're lifting. You don't need to pretend to know what you're doing because you don't yet. It's the same with investing. I mean, have a plan, keep learning, focus on your technique and fundamentals. Be honest with what you know and what you don't know and let that grow over time with you. No one was born knowing everything about the share market, but just starting to learn the basics, you will, over time, grow in your confidence. I hope you've enjoyed learning all about the share market just as much as I have. Now you've got a solid foundation to build on when you go out on your own. But remember, you're never actually on your own. If you ever feel like you need a refresher, you can always jump back to a specific episode to brush up on your skills or head to some of those trusted sources of information we mentioned earlier, like the Comsec website. Happy investing. Comsec Invest, the share market simplified is a listener production brought to you in partnership with Comsec. Hosted by me, Jamila Risby. Audio by Kelly Fulston. Executive producer is Todd Stevens. And producer is Thomas Thexton. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, Comsec. The information and views expressed in it do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Opinions expressed to those of the individuals referenced and not Comsec's. Listener.